Last week, uh, it got a little intense with some of the verses. It was great. But, uh-oh. But, um, uh, I, can't, I was talking to Drew, uh, who's going to give me the power. Yes, there we go. Um, Drew uh, sent me a, uh, the quote of a, in our conversation. He was talking about deconstruction, reconstruction. And he said this, Deconstruction is a gentle, careful teardown with the purpose of reusing the material. Demolition is the destruction without repurpose. Now, the reason I want to share this with you is because we've been talking about deconstructing uh, parts of our faith, uh, the things we've learned growing up. Um, this is yet another lens to look through. This is not the lens because this is pertaining to physical construction. But in a sense, the beauty of this statement is much of what we learned still has purpose. It just needs to be pulled apart, cleaned, um, things that were on it that shouldn't be on it come off, and we're still left with Jesus. And that's really, really important. This morning, um, about an hour and a half ago, my friend Richard Murray posted this. And when I saw it, it said, posted one minute ago. I went, whoa, okay. And so in light of this, I want to read this to you. It's, it's, it's larger print, even though it looks like it's a lot. Um, but when you read it online, it's like two minutes. But this is really important when we look at our scripture, our Bible, because I am certain, as I have, many of you have thought, well, then can we trust our Bible? If there are so many errors and if we're challenging so many things we've grown up with, who's to say our generation is right? Okay, like those are legit questions, are they not? How many have thought that at least a little bit? Anybody here? Yeah, okay, the rest of you might be lying, but that's okay. <laughs> Just kidding, Elizabeth. <laughs> I'm razzing you. Okay, listen to this. See if you can follow along. Now, Richard is a defense attorney, okay, so he has a different way of thinking. Maybe it's the defense attorney in me, but I know a, prosec- uh, prosecution- a prosecution-type mindset when I see one. Here we go. Um, The Bible is being turned into a scapegoat. If we were really balanced in evaluating the Bible's worth, we would give a lot more uh, props than flops. Sure, it's been misread. Sure, it's been misapplied. And sure, it has been misused. But it's also been wonderfully read. It's been miraculously used. It's also been rightly applied. It has been an instrument of the Spirit to comfort the lonely, console the crushed, heal the hopeless, and inspire the intrepid. It has inspired millions of prayers, billions of hopes, and trillions of tender mercies. If we are going to criticize the Bible for the harm it's done, let's also be fair-minded enough to give it props for the good it's done and the clarity about Jesus it's brought, the embedded divine promises it contains, and the supernatural subtext which flows between its words. If we are going to have a meaningful dialogue about the Bible, we must strive to be fair-minded and wise-hearted. I love what the church father origin and the majority of early church believed about the Old Testament scriptures, Origen used the term inerrancy of Scripture not to refer to the inerrancy of the ordinary or literal sense of the text, which, 
according to Origen, contains numerous of literal errors, impossible literal statements, and even fictional literal elements on occasion. C.S. Lewis believed the exact same thing, by the way. But Origen did believe that all Scripture was inerrant in its spiritual or allegorical sense. There was a subtextual or symbolic meaning embedded in every text which went far beyond the letter of the text. Sometimes the biblical human writers were largely aware of the subtext and knew they were writing figuratively. Sometimes the writers were only dimly aware. Still other times the writers were totally unaware of the true and deeper meaning of what they were writing. Simply put, the biblical writers wrote far more than they knew when we as biblical readers must read far more than the writers knew as well. On the road to Amos, Jesus, the resurrected Jesus, by the Holy Spirit, transformed the literal readings of Scripture into a treasure trove of embedded parables, epiphanies, metaphors, and allegories, all of which pointed to himself. Christological ambrosia flows in the subtext underneath all the Old Testament Scripture like a raging underground river. The rapids of this river are rafted by the righteous who passionately pursue, intuitively grasp, and imaginatively understand that the true import of all Scripture is only and always to reveal Christ. That's a lot to take in, just having it read to you. But I felt... In all of our discussions of um, clarifying what translations have missed and so on and so on, there's still the essence that these scriptures are good. And it could be misunderstood. Well, you're really dropping your respect for the scriptures. Well, if that's the way it's sounding, that's not the intent. And this writing was really timely. I want him as my lawyer <laughs> if I ever need help. That's awesome. So thank you, Richard Murray. I hope that was helpful to you. All right, click, kind sir. Here we go. All right, we're going to get into remembrance because this Friday, or sorry, Thursday is Remembrance Day. And uh, I love what MCC has done um, when they talk about Remembrance Day. Their pins say, to remember is to work for peace. And that's really a neat balance because Remembrance Day is about remembering those who've you know, fought for our freedom. But there are many levels of fighting for freedom that aren't always acknowledged, including those that chose to not fight, who were also punished, and some of them died because of their choice not to fight. So to draw that balance was, is really important. And there's a freedom in our world where uh, we get to have that freedom to decide. Tombstones today. We're going to be going to the cemetery today. We're going to see a lot of tombstones. But... To remember, they remind us of the ones we love and who've passed away. How many times have you gone to a cemetery to visit the grave of a loved one? Um, uh, my parents' grave, I would never have really gone much, but now they're gone, I, I, I know where it is and I see it. In fact, I did a burial not too long ago and I looked up, there's my parents' stone, that's amazing. It was like glaring at me because it's red and all the other ones are gray. <laughs> my dad wanted a, a red stone, so that was really cool. But that's the idea. The tombstones remind us of something. The empty tomb, however, reminds us that our Lord conquered death. This is important. If we're going to do remembrance, I want to 
show you that the scriptures point to remembering a lot. And in our culture, we're designed to remember. And I'm going to show you comparisons for the next few minutes to see if you, I hate this one, but anyway. Report cards. Man, when I was a kid, I had to bring the report card home to my parents. Sometimes I left it in my bag on purpose because I knew it wasn't very pleasing. And I remember also as a kid, we got a special allowance depending on the letters we got. How many ever got that bonus? Yeah, we got like a dollar for an A, uh, I think 50 cents for a B, 25 cents for a C. I never made much money. But anyway, these were reminders of our performance. You know, my sister got, she, she made a lot of money. She was always really good at school, uh, very organized and disciplined. But the idea of reminding us, in fact, I found my old, some of my old report cards, the comments, oh my goodness, Lori laughed and laughed, you know, cannot sit still, will not pay attention, <laughs> constantly, it's like, oh, something's haven't changed. Anyway, let's go to this other testimony. The testimony reports are found in our Bible, give us the real report of Christian history, good and bad. Our scriptures are a reminder of a story that has taken place. Our report cards point to what we have done and how well we've studied or performed for the expectation of the teacher. But the scriptures point to us a story that has happened from the lens written from the perspective of a certain individual. Whatever their lens may be, that is what was recorded. And as we read from Richard Murray's comment about the subtext of what's going on behind the scenes... We may not be able to connect all the dots, but the Holy Spirit has put it all together. And there's a, an incredible story. I would have loved to have been on the road to Amos to finally hear the most concise description of Jesus throughout the Old Testament. Too many pendulum swings are heading towards toss the Old Testament out. It has no relevance to us today. That is an overrunning of the base. If you've never heard that before, oh my goodness, People are trying to deconstruct from many different um, things from Christianity. And because it has caused so much pain and been misused, misapplied, they want to just toss it. But we can't do that. Deal with the pain instead. Find out what was miscommunicated. But to have Jesus share bluntly every detail, I'm telling you, like if I was to be asking, where could I go for in a time machine? That'd be one spot I would love to go. Because finally, somebody who understands it is going to explain it. It's the first time in history it was fully explained. I love it. Crosses on the side of highways remind us of the problem of sadness and pain. The thought of loss of a loved one, tragically and sudden. I remember a number of years ago, I was traveling from Elmira to the St. Jacob's Outlet Mall on a Sunday morning. And at the roundabout, it was closed due to a tragic accident. Well, that afternoon, I got a phone call from the funeral home, and the family needed somebody to help officiate the service for their teenage son that was killed in that crash. To this day, you still see that cross to the right. So if you're driving towards Waterloo, the cross is off to the right. It's maintained all the time. It is a reminder of somebody that was loved and is missed. I remember driving in Mexico with Gerardo. I was not driving. Do not drive yourself in Mexico. Oh, my goodness. It's insane, okay? But we're going up and down these mountain hills, and we actually saw one truck kind of have a brake problem, and everybody kind of get out of the way. But we saw lots of crosses at certain spots. We saw 
almost like altars and crosses at some key points along the mountain where it was obviously a dangerous curve and somebody died. These crosses are a reminder. You want to talk about the importance of remembering? You're getting it. We, we do this all the time. Well, the cross of Christ reminds us of the needless pain and suffering Christ endured for us. It reminds us of his sudden finish, his innocence, his willingness to die for us so that we could have our freedom. The cross of Christ trumps it all. It's beautiful. Awards and trophies. <laughs> Look at the Olympics. You see the, the medals that are given out, bronze, gold, silver. And then you have, uh, I remember in school they gave you awards for um, doing certain races. They had these triathlon or not triathlon, uh, these runathons, whatever it was. Um, but, I, you know, you get a badge or a ribbon. You know, participation was an awesome one. Just kidding. No, but you get a, you get a prize for, for achieving a certain level. These are what the awards are for. I remember uh, uh, in school having to fundraise. I remember this, this, just this morning. I was uh, uh, texting with uh, an old, old uh, choir director, James Krupp. Some of you probably know him. And uh, we, we kind of reconnected. Uh, and I remember we, I was trying to find a way to uh, earn money because I was in a boys' choir with him and trying to earn money to go to Germany, Austria, and Holland. And so instead of selling chocolate bars and all that stuff, we had this thing called a hymathon. Yep, a hymnathon. We were going to do 100 hymns on a weekend. I think it might have been Friday night and Saturday, or it could have been all day Saturday. I don't remember. But I knew my parents were having a hard time. So the, there was a prize for me involved, an award involved. And I think the person who wrote, the second place person was like a five, wrote, you know, raised $500 for a hymnathon. That's like crazy high, except I raised 1200 Oh, yeah, I kick butt. <laughs> I was motivated because, and I, will, I remember those things. I remember selling happy bags, garbage bags in public school because the, the prize was a black and white television, small size, with a rotating cha channel changer and all that. Remember that? And I won. I won these prizes. And prizes are a reminder. We have trophies. Our kids have awards. We, we put them up in our... Uh, mantles are in their, on their walls in their rooms because it's a reminder. We have the, um, the Purple Heart for bravery and other medals that are in the military to remind people of a special deed they did and they were honored for that. In the same way, our promise of future hope and glory for all those who are faithful to the end. A crown of glory. A future home living in the presence of God. We have a prize. Run for the prize, the scriptures talk about. So there is a remembering. We remember why we do certain things. Why I pushed myself to win that prize. Because I, I was motivated. What's your motivation today? Holidays and birthdays. Cards are really for mom, who to remember, not the child. He, he. Anniversaries remind us of a specific event in our history, sometimes significant, that has deep meaning for us all. The anniversary of uh, accomplishing something big, or the anniversary of a marriage, the anniversary of someone's passing. The, these are big things to remember. Holidays, we, we have Remembrance Day coming up on Thursday, to remember the blood of war and the price paid, the needless price. 
We have Thanksgiving to remind us to be thankful. We have Christmas to remember Christ's birth. We, in fact, between now and Christmas, there are a whole bunch of religious holidays. Christianity doesn't own all the holidays. So let's not be offended when someone says happy holidays because you could say, which one are you referring to? Honestly, I think, I, th I think it's very inclusive. It's wonderful. Every Sunday, we do this here. It's a day to remember that we are not alone and part of one body. To meditate on his promises, to be reminded of his faithfulness. We do it on a Sunday. Some do it on a Saturday. The Jewish faith keeps the Sabbath on a Saturday. Whichever day you choose is a reminder of something deep-rooted. Don't underestimate these things. Scars and scrapes remind us of the times we've fallen or were injured. We remember exactly what happened and when where. I remember I got a, oops, I wasn't supposed to leave that in there. I, I uh, was using a drill on a job site once, and I, I thought I'd handle it differently, and it slipped, and so this, I got screwed in the head, literally. <laughs> and I have the mark. I will never forget that. Some of you have scars from something you did, from a major cut uh, or broken leg, or you have marks because you had to have special surgery done, but they are a reminder, just like the scars Jesus bore for us. We remember when someone hurts us or mocked us for our faith. Perhaps we saw someone else who called themselves a Christian act like hypocrites, and as a result, we have become less committed. But we remember. Don't let those actions of another person who claimed to be a person of faith change your journey of faith because you're comparing then and we're not called to compare we're, if anything we're to look to Jesus as our author and perfecter and finisher of our faith not somebody else who's hurt us poppies the one I'm wearing reminds of those who went before us who gave their lives for our freedom some of us don't want to think about it. Some of us want to think about it. Lori and I live across from the Cenotaph here in Elmira, and so I think this afternoon, 2 o'clock, there's going to be a huge gathering. I know there's a bunch of other gatherings all across our area for Remembrance Day services from the legions. Well, biblical altars also played a role. They remind us of the faith of our fathers. It reminds us of what God did for his people at a certain place in time. <laughs> it's Christ giving us the ultimate freedom. Joshua 1.9 says, This is my command. Be strong and courageous. Do not be afraid or discouraged, for the Lord your God is with you wherever you go. It's about a reminder to not be afraid. It's a reminder to be courageous. Because what happens next? This. Joshua chapter 4. When all the people had crossed the Jordan, the Lord said to Joshua, Now... Choose 12 men, one from each tribe. Tell them, take 12 stones from the very place where the priests are standing in the middle of the Jordan. Carry them out to the pile and pile them at the place where you will camp tonight. So Joshua called together the 12 men he had chosen, one from each of the tribes of Israel, and he told them, go into the middle of the Jordan in front of the ark of the Lord your God. Each of you must pick up one stone and carry it on your shoulder. That means it's a big stone, because I would have picked up a pebble. Just kidding. Uh, carry it on your shoulder, 12 stones in all, one for each of the 12 tribes of Israel. We will use these stones to build a memorial or an altar. In the future, your children will ask you, what do these stones mean? 
when, then you can tell them. They remind us that the Jordan River stopped flowing when the Ark of the Lord's Covenant went across. These stones will stand as a memorial among the people of Israel forever. Are you starting to get the picture of the importance of memorials? And to be careful about misinterpreting, misinterpreting them. Deuteronomy 6.12 says, Be careful, do not forget the Lord who rescued you from slavery in the land of Egypt. You're going to find a lot of scripture encouraging us to remember. Don't forget. Deuteronomy 8.2, Remember how the Lord your God led you through the wilderness for these 40 years, humbling you and testing you to prove your character and find out whether or not you would, you would obey his word. And then Acts 20, this is really good. I've left you an example of how you should serve and take care of those who are weak. For we must always cherish the words of our Lord Jesus who taught us, giving brings a far greater blessing than receiving. In the Aramaic, it's an idiom that speaks of extravagant generosity. Blessed are those who try to give more than they have been given. There's an encouragement to remember. And what's this encouragement? Remember the words of Christ. That's why we have our scriptures. That's why you see four in our Bible right now, the four Gospels. There are other writings that are worth exploring and looking up and reading. You're going to find value and insight into those other books that are not included in the canon. Go do it. It's not, there's nothing wrong. You don't have to be, oh no, we're going to be influenced by it. Yes, you should be influenced by it. Go read and learn. Discover, study. Explore and realize there are many lenses. Why do you think we share testimonies of what Christ has done in our lives? It's our story. It's good. It's important to hear. 1 Corinthians 11. It says, I have handed down to you what came to me by direct revelation from the Lord himself. The same night in which he was handed over and gave thanks, he distributed it to the disciples and said, Take it and eat your fill. It is my body, which is given for you. Do this in remembrance of me. The Lord's Supper is an act of remembrance. In some denominations and churches, liturgical churches, uh, the Lutheran church here, the one we're using, we don't use the sanctuary, but it's filled with art on those windows, the stained glass. If you go to an Orthodox church, they have icons all over the place. In the Catholic church, you see tons of pictures and art and icons and statues as a way to remember, be reminded of someone in history who's had an impact. Let's not mock it. My, my roots mocked it. Not smocked, mocked. I, they, <laughs> but there's, honestly, I grew up believing, hey, because we had Catholics around us, and I was a Baptist kid, and Catholics and Baptists never got along well. And so we, we would say, well, they don't, they don't, they're not the real church. They would say, you're not the real church. And honor, you know the stupid bantering. But they had something that we don't. They had art and history and liturgy that we were not accustomed to. And there is value there. The Orthodox Church as well. The Lutheran, the, Ortho, um, the um, Anglican, the United. All Listen, be careful that you don't mock them. Because as we just read from Richard Murray earlier, there are ways to take things the wrong way, misuse and abuse. But everything needs to point to Jesus. That's the point. 2 Corinthians 5.17 says, Now if anyone is enfolded into Christ, he has become 
an entirely new person. All that is related to the old order has vanished. Behold, everything is fresh and new. You have become a new creation in Christ. Past tense. Remember. Colossians 4.18. Now finally, I, Paul, write this with my own handwriting, and I send you my loving greetings to you. Remember me in my imprisonment. May the blessings of God's grace overwhelm you. The importance of remembering. It's okay to ask somebody to remember you. When people email or calls, hey, please pray for me. They're saying, please remember me. I'm having a hard time. And we, being connected to them in faith and humanity, pray for them. Whether it's on the spot, whether it's in our thinking, that's how that works. Paul is leading us and encouraging us to do that. Ephesians 2, almost done. For by grace you have been saved by faith. Saved by faith. Past tense. Nothing you did could ever earn his salvation. For it was the love gift from God that brought us to Christ. So no one will ever be able to boast for salvation is never a reward for good works or human striving. Why is this there? Why is this part of remembering? Because sometimes we forget that we actually didn't contribute anything to our, to our salvation. We didn't. It's been a gift. Now we get to respond and rejoice. Ephesians 2, we have become his poetry, a recreated people, as in we are a masterpiece, a work of art. That's where this one is. This is from Passion Translation, obviously. We've become his poetry, a recreated people that will fulfill the destiny he's given each of us. We are joined to Jesus, the anointed one. Even before we were born, God planned in advance our destiny and the good works we would do to fulfill it. This is past tense. It's called Remember, this was the original plan. Don't forget. John 3, 16 and 17. We all know this one. For here is the way God loved the world. He gave his only unique son as a gift. So now everyone who believes in him will never perish but experience everlasting life. God did not send his son into the world to judge and condemn the world, but to be its savior and rescue it. Why is this here? For remembrance. Because it's being communicated. This is past tense. Remember, and because the individual he was speaking to had no concept of this, he's now planting the seed. Here's what to remember. It was given to Nicodemus. And now shared with us. So we remember Psalm 103, let all that I am praise the Lord. With my whole heart I will praise his holy name. Let all that I am praise the Lord. May I never forget the good things he does for me. Okay? That's like a Thanksgiving thing. Psalm 143, I remember the glorious miracles of days gone by, and I often think of all the wonders of old. That's going back. Here's a similar one. But then I recall all you have done, O Lord. I remember your wonderful deeds of long ago. I think lastly, I think this is the last one, I hope so. But Christ proved God's passionate love for us by dying in our place while we were still lost and ungodly. This is an important reminder. It's easy to forget this part when we're trying to talk about the salvation of our Lord. 
And there is still much more to say of this unfailing love, agape, that Russ was talking about earlier, for us. For through the blood of Jesus, we have heard the powerful declaration, you are now righteous in my sight. Because of the sacrifice of Jesus, you will never experience the wrath of God. All happened while we were still lost. Remember the source of your salvation. Remember, love wins. Agape wins. Heavenly Father, today as our culture celebrates a different kind of Remembrance Day, may it also prompt us to remember along with them as well as to remember all you have taught us, pointing towards the ridiculous agape of Jesus to all humanity. Wake us up to this truth. I pray this in Jesus' name. Amen.